Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Good morning, Valley Community Church. Can we stand one more time, please? Uh, God is going to do something very interesting uh, this morning. And I, I want to promise you that what God's going to do it and how he's going to do it is with real gentleness as I teach some strong scripture today. And as we've been talking about freedom, I want you to recognize is <clears throat> that God doesn't come in all the time and just slap people around. I said all the time, once in a while he will. He slapped me around once in a while because I was in rebellion. And life taught me to turn back to him. I know some of you, uh, most of you are perfect, but some of you face that too, where God had to maneuver you a little bit. But you know, I'm, I have to say this. I'm, I'm kind of sad right now, and I'll tell you why, is because all the decorations were taken down. I love those decorations. But you know what brings me great joy is the people that put them up and the people that took them down have such a passion for the things of the Lord and for the church and the beauty that was here for that season of Christmas. And I want to thank you again, all that were involved and all that you did. Uh, many of you, thank you for just being you and being family and allowing your passion of the Christmas season to show us the love of God. Because wasn't it great when we walked in, all the lights were on, and, and just the celebration of the birth of Jesus. So that brings me great joy. I want to pray as we begin today, because I really felt in my spirit this morning, driving here, early this morning it was dark, and, and I got here, uh, Eddie was here already, uh, turning on some of the lights and stuff, and I really sense the Lord say, I want to show my people my gentleness to them. And the gentleness that he's going to show us is how he redeems us from all the deception of the enemy. And he does it in relationship, as Pastor Dan was talking about. And it is great victory because the victory has already been won. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because Jesus Christ went to the cross and overcame anything the enemy would want to bring to us. But I'm going to show you in Scripture how we can have this freedom, but I'm going to show you how also the enemy can, can come in in a, dece a deception type of way where we think that we were walking in the right thing but the enemy has come in in areas of our life and we don't even recognize it. And we're going to show you five things today. But before we do that, we're going to have physical freedom, emotional freedom, and spiritual freedom. This is the year 2022 and the decade of great breakthrough that God has prophesied over us as a church. And I believe that what God is doing in our nation and in our world, even though you are seeing what you're seeing on TV. Many of you online that are watching us, uh, some of you have been attacked with COVID and, and you are staying home and we understand that. And many of you are at home, you're not able to be here. But I want you to understand, even in your home, 
you can receive this gentleness of God. So sit and take a deep breath and just receive from what God has for you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that opens up the avenues of revelation. Lord, many in our world every year do New Year's resolutions. But Lord, we have a New Year revelation that breakthrough is there in every area of our life. That we will walk in that truth and that truth will set us free. Thank you, Lord, for freedom, true biblical spiritual freedom in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> in this series we've been doing for many, many, many months, How to Reach New Levels in the Kingdom of God, <clears throat> I want to show you five areas we open the door to the enemy today. In this series, we are revealing true biblical freedom, what it means. It's not a feel-good syndrome. It is true biblical freedom that even though at times there are things that are not right out there in the world or even in our homes, that we know we're living in a kingdom freedom that will break through and bring the, the fruit of the things that we planted in the way we are living our lives. In my estimation, though, many believers, and I'm saying believers, those who believe God, have faith, walking in great uh, avenues with God, do not understand spiritual bondage and or biblical freedom in a correct way. The reason is, for this deception is we become so consumed with the bondage. We become so consumed with what's happening. And because our thoughts and every aspect of what we do in life is based upon what is happening, we don't see the freedom and the truth that God has that will break us out of what is going on in the world, the tribulation of the world. We become consumed emotionally from what they can be freed from or what they're facing. We become so consumed, our prayer life is based upon the problem and not who is the solution. We become so overwhelmed by what has happened, the loss, the hurt, the trauma, that we lose out on the truth that really will set us free. So today, in a very gentle way, the Holy Spirit, through truth that I will bring you, is going to set a standard today that at the end today, if you came in here with struggle, with hurt, with trauma of 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that is still consuming your life, and you're watching on TV. Maybe this is the first time you are listening to us and watching us. I want you to know we serve a Jesus that is gentle, that is loving and caring, and he can free you from the bondage that you are consumed with. See, in the heart of God, there is a plan not just to free you from something, 
but free you to become something. God's, God's freedom, kingdom freedom, is to free you up to move into the kingdom reality and lifestyle. Not from something, because there's a lot of times, you, you know, just like a prisoner has been in jail for 20 years, he's freed up, and he doesn't have a clue what he wants to do in his life. Because he's been in prison for 20 years. There are a lot of believers that when there's a, a move of God in their life, there's freedom that manifests, but because our heart has been so consumed with the bondage, not the truth of the freedom that God has given us, the breakthrough that God's given us, we don't know what to do. And we're stuck in, like we're stuck in some type of dream and not getting anywhere. But Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, didn't go to the cross so you could just sit and have nothing. He went to the cross so you could be free from sin for something, to something, with something. The thought of deception is this. If I can get free from drinking too much, that is a sum total of what Jesus did on the cross. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Their thinking is, I can never be like Jesus. And if they arrive at the pearly gates with sufficient evidence to keep them out, this is their thought, that if I could just do something, my ultimate goal is if I could slip into heaven. Oh, to live with that mentality, with the the revelation of who Jesus is in our life and the relationship that you and I have with God. There's so much more for you to walk in, to move into, to break through into instead of just allowing life just to lead you. I say this all the time. I never want life to lead me. I want the Holy Spirit. I want kingdom reality to lead me. And we're, we're talking about going from paycheck to paycheck, going, you know, a lot of people from friends to friends, going from church to church, just trying to find that niche in life. God did not send his son to die on the cross so you could have a niche in life. Jesus Christ went to the cross so that you can live eternal life with him, with victory in every area of your life. See, in the heart of God, there is so much more for you here on earth. It's called victory in his kingdom. God's plan for you is so big and it's so wonderful. It's so huge that you could sit for hours and days and weeks and years and never, never experience the true reality or how big it really is. Because when we ever think that we finally figured out God, he's bigger than what you thought. He's greater than what you thought. We serve an awesome God. God brought, as a matter of fact, God brought you to Valley. You're listening to me, not just for you to receive, but it's for you to give back. 
not just to receive and walk out and say, that was great worship, that was a, that was a good sermon. No, so you, could, you could serve, you could love God, you can give back and become that person that's prominent in the area of your life doing great things for the kingdom. Let me read this to you. It's kind of long, but I wrote this out so I wouldn't forget one word. God brought you here to get you freed and then to release you into something that is so dynamic and so real and so wonderful. If you saw it today, you would lay down everything that is petty and keeping you from going forward if you really began to see it. And I'm going to show you the deception of the enemy and I'm going to show you how he comes in to deceive so that you can break through and see God's plan for you in a perfect way. So here's my premise. We can give ground today and even open doors to the enemy. If you had a, let me give you an explanation. If you had a knock on the door and you looked out your little peephole or the side window and you saw a guy standing there in black with a machine gun on his shoulder and, and a machete on the, on the side, uh, let me ask you this, would you open the door? No, you wouldn't. But many Christians are opening doors to things much worse than the guy I just described to you. Many believers are opening doors to the enemy that is far worse than someone that I just explained. Here are some things we must know regarding bondage. Write this down. If you live with fear, you're in bondage. Now, I want to tell you, the enemy comes in with fear on every day journey of our life. If that's you, you don't have to leave here with that fear anymore. Jesus can deliver you today. If you're sitting on your, your easy chair watching us, today that fear can be gone. But you need to listen and understand God's wonderful grace and mercy and gentleness that will bring you to the truth to set you free. The second thing that we must know regarding bondage if you have a sin that you confess and go back to it, then you confess it again and then go back to it, then you confess it again and you go back to it. The Bible says Jesus is faithful to forgive every time you confess it. I don't care if it's a million times. Man will say, I give up on you. God doesn't give up on you. 1 John 1.9 says that, it's speaking to the believers that if you confess with your mouth, believe your heart, that literally God will forgive you. God will forgive you. You go do it again, you confess it again, God is faithful and just to forgive you. See, the reason you go back to it is, listen very closely, this is gentle. There's an iniquity there. I will explain what that is. There is an iniquity there. God wants to release the iniquity off of you so you don't continue to go back to the sin. Church, that's God's heart. That's God's heart. 
So many people, I, I use the terminology, God slapped me around. He was gentle. But I wanted, I wanted you to, to see and to experience even today the, the multiplicity of the way people think about God. How they think about God. You know, when something happens, why did God allow that to happen? And something good happens, oh God, you're so wonderful. And, you're, and all these emotional things that we go through. God is great. God is not so great. God is, he's so forgiving. God's not forgiving. God, why do you allow that to happen? Our emotions are just going everywhere. That's the plan of the enemy. Because remember, your emotions have been given to you by God to draw you when things go awry or things are great to draw you closer to him, to have intimacy with him. So if your emotions are going I ain't going to church. They preach this truth about healing and look what happened with so-and-so. And we, we hate God for a while. Then we come back to God. And then we hate God for a while longer. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. We hate our job. We hate our boss. We, you know, all these emotions that are going on. And God is sitting there very gentle saying, son, daughter, Why? Why are you thinking that when I have planned and done everything for you? Why are you running all over the place trying to figure things out? Let me tell you a, a clue, church family. You know how to figure out your plan of God and where you're going to end up? You look up to him and trust him. I promise you, you will get there. So God wants to release the iniquity off of you so you don't continue to go back to the sin. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, Zoe, life, and they, that they may have it more abundantly. In other words, that life, that kingdom life, where you're at today, God wants more for you. There's more. So notice, the devil will not come unless he can do one or all the things stated. The devil has no other purpose in life than to steal, kill, or to destroy. But he's been neutered by God through the cross. So what does Jesus say all about this? In John 10, verse 1 it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. So Jesus begins to explain what the enemy does and how he comes in. He's a thief. He's a robber. And he comes in and he tries to take something that is yours of God. And a lot of that is your thought processes, your emotions, your health and all the above. So Jesus said that Satan, he can't get through the door, but he must go some other way. So let me just explain to you, the door here is Jesus. He can't go through Jesus. He can't go through righteousness. He can't go through the truth of the word of God. So the thief always looks for some other way. So in my study through the years, over 40 years, uh, I had uh, 
uh, Pastor Ryan asked me, hey, hey, Dad, how long have you been at Valley Community? And uh, I sat down with Terry and I said, we need to figure this out. And so this June will be 31 years I've been part of the ministry at, at Valley. Well, thank you. But I, I just, you know, I, I'm saying to you, all the years, over 40 years of ministry, in my study, I have found five other ways the thief will come in. How he comes in, let me tell you, how we allow him to come in and to create disruption to the plan of God in our life. And in this, in a gentle way, what Jesus is saying uh, and said to me years ago, stop blaming me because my plans are good. All right? So here's the first that the enemy comes in, climbs over a wall, and sneaks around some other way. First is called generational curses. I did a teaching on this last summer, and I want to just touch on this today. In Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6, it says, You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, speaking of idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity, notice the word iniquity, iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. It didn't say of the sins. It says the iniquity. Okay, really important. But showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So what it is saying, here's the point, is there is a generational curse that manifests up to three to four generations because of the iniquity of someone in your family, all right? But on the other spectrum is there is a blessing of God by the, the process of your spiritual growth and walking in obedience to the Lord that can go up to a thousand generations. When we hear generational curses, and most people teach on it, we're like this, ah, what's happening? Oh, this spiritual thing, I don't know how to handle this. This is the reason why all this is happening. No, I'm being very facetious today because I'm trying to pull us all into the same mentality. Is that what God is saying is that yes, there is something there that some of the things that you're struggling with is because two generations ago, someone in your family had iniquity in their heart. And there's something in you because of that spiritual thing that is trying to manifest itself in you. But listen closely, you have power over that. But if you don't know what it is, you're wondering why you're keeping doing the same thing. So you might say, well, that's not fair. Why would God allow that to happen? So in other words, you're saying, well, I'm struggling with something that I didn't participate in. The answer is yes, you are. It's not an excuse, it's a spiritual truth. So I'm gonna show you how the enemy comes in, but how you can break through in this area. It's physical, it can be physical, heart disease, diabetes. You know, the doctors would tell you all the time, 
You know, if you, you got heart disease in your family, you need to be checked. If you have colon cancer in your family, you need to be checked. What is that? Generational curse. We receive and can believe total freedom from this as a church. It's also true in the spiritual addictions, even sexual, poverty, racism, chronic illness, and being barren, divorce, suicide, anger, family fights. All of us have ancestors that did not serve the Lord. All of us. Their iniquities have been visited upon you and me. Notice, visited. A thief wants to come in. All right? So the Bible calls them curses. The definition of a curse, a curse is a predisposition toward a sin. It's not the word sin, it's iniquity. So iniquity is a curse. It is a predisposition to a sin. In other words, you are bent towards living that same way because of a curse. The correct translation in verse 5 is iniquity. So again, let me say it again. Iniquity is the inward bent or tendency toward a certain sin. Lust is the iniquity, and from lust, adultery is the sin. Hate would be the iniquity, and murder is the sin. Why did someone murder? They hated. They were bent towards hating. What's the world trying to get us to do is to hate. Iniquity is the inward movement, and the sin is the outward action. Isaiah 65.7 says, watch this, your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together. It's spiritual. Leviticus 26, verse 40 and 42 says, but if they confess their iniquity, watch this, here's your answers, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to God, and that they also have walked contrary to me, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember, I will remember the land. God says iniquity of the heart. If you confess not just the sin, but the confess the iniquity, what caused the sin, God said he will remember his covenant and it will be removed. The power of the cross will manifest itself and you will be freed up from the iniquity. That's what the Bible says. Now watch what happened. Israel got a hold of it. But they still messed up through the generations. But they got a hold of it. Watch what they did. Nehemiah 9.2. What is Nehemiah? Rebuilding the walls. Rebuilding the city. Rebuilding Israel, right? 
what we are doing in breakthrough, we are rebuilding what God has initially stated for your family to walk in. You are called of God, anointed of the Holy Spirit to do great things for the kingdom of God. And it's up to you and me to break the, the iniquity of our fathers and to move forward in the power of God. Okay, watch this. Watch what they do. Amen. Just keep clapping if you want. I'll keep talking. Because I'm good at talking. Nehemiah 9, verse 2. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves. Let me say this. Then those who are believers separate themselves from all foreigners or all who don't believe. I'm not talking about, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm not, no, no, that's not... They separated for a moment because what they're going to do is they're going to break the iniquity. They're going to break the curse. And they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They stood confessing, watch this, for a fourth of the day. Six hours they confessed their sins and their father's sins. Well, their fathers must have been pretty bad. No, they understood. See, when you confess, you receive. When you confess, you spend time with God. We have no idea. Let me just say it in a very gentle way. We have no idea the filth our ancestors got into. We have no idea. Iniquity Iniquity will continue from generation to generation until you, until somebody says, here is where iniquity stops. Amen. You have that power. I'm asking today that it stops with you. That's why we're going to walk out of here free. Make that choice for your family for generations to come. Uh, scripture said a thousand generations. Iniquity just has power for three or four of visiting. But what you can do today, because you have the revelation of it now, what you can do is set some standards, kingdom standards, for a thousand generations of your children and children's children and on and so forth. Isn't it awesome what God has for us? Let me tell you, iniquity has been defeated in the Klaus family for four generations of the past. We have appropriated by faith the blood of Jesus over our family and all iniquity for four generations of the future. Amen. If you do this, your children and their children will be freed up, spiritual freedom from an inward bent to sin. Now, you mean that, that the Klaus family never sinned? I didn't say that. But we no longer have an inward bent to sin. Amen. Here's a second way the thief can come in. Unforgiveness and bitter root judgment. Unforgiveness and bitter root judgment. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Don't give the devil a foothold. 
There is something very significant about anger that's not settled before the sun sets. Amen. The reason why people don't settle their anger before sunset is that they want justice. I believe in God's justice. God's justice will manifest in our world. God's justice will manifest in our nation. But when we try to have man's justice, we will open the door for unforgiveness and a bitter root judgment. Look what's happening in our nation. There are people in your family you can't talk to anymore. If some of you have not gotten a vaccination, that's your choice. But if you haven't gotten a vaccination, you got family now that hates you, that judges you because of your actions or lack of action. And I want to tell you, that's the world, and that's where the enemy, the thief, comes in and creates problems in your life. Reason why people don't settle their anger again is they want man's justice instead of God's. In other words, they want people to repent. And you harbor something unhealthy until they get it. Until you do it, they do it. Let me tell you from experience, <laughs> don't hold your breath waiting in anger. Most people won't say they're sorry. I don't expect people to say they're sorry. I don't. Now you teach your children when they're young as they're growing up. But you, with adults, I don't expect them to say they're sorry. They're going to do what they're going to do. But bottom line, that doesn't change who I am. That doesn't change what I stand for. I stand for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I stand for his justice. <laughs> Hebrews 12 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. I will explain all these terminologies it uses. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. So let's look at the word defiled. Defiled literally means sexual sin. So the question is what happens when there is a root of bitterness? Notice the very next phrase is, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Let me explain. Many struggle with immorality because of a root of bitterness in unforgiveness. This is not an excuse. This is truth. There are many people that are living their life from 20 years ago of what someone did to them, and they're still root of bitterness, but they're wondering why they're struggling with immorality. They're wondering why they're struggling with these type of sins, with lust. The word profane is devoted to that which is unbiblical. They will become profane like Esau, devoted to that which is unbiblical. Church family, forgive, because you will be released from the iniquity. How do you forgive? Well, I guess I just go to the restaurant with them and tell them I forgive you. No, no, no. 
There used to be a season in the church that, you know, they would teach on stuff like this. Now, you need to go ahead and line up everybody you need to call and ask for forgiveness. Really? No. Ask God to forgive you and then move into the realm. Watch this. How do you forgive? Get close and spend time with the Father. Father God. There is nothing more opposite of God than unforgiveness. Nothing. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends, but its end is the way of death. It steals and kills and destroys unforgiveness and a bitter root of judgment. When you choose your will by your will to live with unforgiveness, that road leads to death. Not just physical, it leads to misery. I have ministered to countless couples, people who live their life in misery. They're loving God. They're going to heaven because they confess Jesus Christ as Lord, but they're not experiencing the fullness of freedom in their life. Unforgiveness, I've said this before, is like drinking poison, hoping it kills somebody else. That's what it is. Forgiveness sets the captives free. Now, let me just stop there and pause. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Don't you shut me out. Online, don't you shut me out. Don't you go to the football game. Don't shut me out because Jesus is showing you how to break through. Showing you why you're still facing the stuff you're facing even though you have been hurt. When you choose to forgive, you are saying, I'm not going to be infected by that disease and generations that follow me. That's what you do. Now, let me just say I skipped down further to say that because I wanted to finish with this until we go to our third point. Forgiving somebody does not say what that person did to you is okay either. It doesn't say it's okay they did what they did. There are some really mean people out there have done absolutely terrible things to you. And so what Jesus is, is saying and what I'm teaching you what Jesus is saying, you have to understand that God knows God is a just God. That justice you're looking for is not going to happen because you hate and you live in unforgiveness. That justice will happen because you free God up to be God in your life. No longer are you in bondage to that. So you are ensnared by the enemy when you're living in that lifestyle. You're living in unforgiveness and a bitter root of judgment. And you've judged somebody and you won't forgive then you've tied the Lord's hands to work. Bottom line, what is the greatest thing that God could do to someone who has absolutely tormented or hurt you? 
Get them born again. Walking with Jesus and being healed. But it never says it's okay what they did. Here's the third. Hurts and trauma. Satan immediately comes in these moments to take advantage of. The moment a hurt or a trauma happens, he immediately comes in. The thief, not through the door, not through the word of God. If you, if you get hurt, trauma happens, and you stand in the word of God, the door of the Lord, then he cannot enter in you and create further problems. When you experience a traumatic event, there is a moment of real fear. He comes in with fear. Many years ago, I was visiting someone at a hospital, and I received a call. Uh, someone I knew was being transported to the same hospital by an ambulance. So I left the hospital room, went down to, into the emergency, and went to the door where they, they knew I was a pastor and I had my card and all that, so they allowed me to be close by. I met them at the entrance of the emergency, and he was having a massive heart attack. And when he was being wheeled in, and they were kind of half running, I was half running with them, and he looked over to me, and there was such fear, trauma in his face. And I want to tell you, that fear jumped all over me. It jumped all over me. Church family, he died. And I was outside the door looking in, watching them slap his chest and do everything they could to get him going to no avail. There was blood splurting out of his nose and his mouth. I know I'm being vivid here. And I was watching that and I was praying and I was praying in tongues and I was shouting the name of Jesus but he died. I could say maybe a few, many years, that fear wanted to climb all over me. I'd get a phone call and all of a sudden, fear. I wanted to go pray the prayer of faith, but fear wanted to crawl all over me. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I would wake up because I had this vivid picture of this gentleman in his face. And the way his face looked, the way his eyes were, and his eyes, the dream that I would have. I never said this to anybody. Is that the dream I'd have, his eyes would just begin to get larger because I could see fear. And I had to move in, in my life and, and, and to really get in the Word of God <clears throat> to bring a change in my own heart. I've also experienced where I got a phone call someone committed suicide and put a gun into his mouth and, and pulled the trigger, and I had to go identify him. And so I identified two people who have committed suicide. Awful. So I understand when not even close what men or women have faced in the military and the vivid uh, things, or you doctors and nurses, what you've experienced. But I want to tell you, every one of us, the enemy can come in and bring fear in your heart. You can watch TV and watch these programs, and before you know it, you lay awake at night because you're afraid to go to sleep. Someone's going to break in your house. See, 
Satan might have a foothold, a foothold in your life because you experience trauma or hurt. He wants to hook your soul and lead you around with that fear. So again, I dove into the word and I grasped wisdom to cut that anxiety out of my life. I've experienced a lot of trauma with people and a lot of hurt with people. But let me tell you, because I love God and I love people, I now, I'm not afraid of those dire situations. I move into those situations with a peace in my heart, knowing that God is in control and that God is my protector. So I'm saying to you, take the word and break that traumatic or hurt fear that is in you. That's what's happened. You've, many of you have been through trauma and hurt. And I want to tell you, fear has climbed all over you. The thief has come around and climbed over a wall and come another way. But I'm telling you to go back to the door of Jesus Christ and allow that fear to be dismissed even today. Matthew 12, 20 says, here it is, the gentleness of God, a bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory. This is a prophetic scripture about Jesus. And bottom line, what he's saying is this. Jesus will be gentle with bruised people. So don't hold on to it. Share it with the Lord. For you that are counselors, thank you. Lead them to the one who will heal them. Jesus will never scold you in your bondage. He will gently heal you. And Jesus will set you free. See, he's even calling us, trying to tell us he's doing that. Here's the fourth. Witchcraft and occult. You say, I will never. Really? 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 23 says this. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Anybody here ever rebelled? Anybody ever been a little stubborn in your life? Most people think that witchcraft is an old lady with a pointed hat boiling something in a cauldron. That's Hollywood. Astrology, Ouija board, seances, had your palm read, tarot cards, Dungeons and Dragons. We need to renounce Satan and his kingdom. Oh, pastor, you're just getting so, so spiritual. Yeah, right, I am. I'm telling you the truth. So many people, they, they you know, ah, oh, that's too, too religious, that's too whatever. Okay, then what do you do when trauma happens? You call up the church for prayer. Why? Because you know Jesus is your answer. And I'm telling you, Jesus is your answer. I'm telling you, when we allow the open doors to come in, I'm, you know, I don't go around and, you know, I, I went and got my hair cut one day and it was around Halloween and, and 
the person next to the person that did my hair had all this kind of tarot card, all kinds of stuff, you know, on the mirror. And I just looked at it. I knew the person. I loved the person. I ministered to them. I prayed for them. And I just said, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that, and that must come off that mirror. After that, I did it all silently, yeah, under my breath, okay? Next time I was there, it was gone. Some of you might have said, well, you know, Halloween had passed. Well, maybe, but it was gone. But there will be a day that I will gently be able to talk to them about it. Amen. And we have to understand, church family, that we have the power to break it these curses, we have the power to move forward and to see God's plan perfectly manifest for a thousand generations. We must understand where we're at. So here's the fifth one, and I'll close with this one. Continued sin and strongholds. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey... You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. It says here, you are the slaves of the one you obey. Someone hurts you, you want to be offended, what are you obeying? When we continue in sin, we are building a fort for the enemy to live in. We're building a pattern of thoughts, Habits and behaviors. Let me say that again. A pattern of thoughts, habits, and behaviors. And I, I, I want to tell you, thoughts, habits, and behaviors don't stick until you continue to think through it. Strongholds are not built overnight. Now watch this. You've got to hear me correctly here. Or destroyed overnight. Jesus destroyed the works of the enemy. But sometimes you and me have struggled so much in an area of our life that it's become a stronghold and it's going to take more than just reading one scripture in two days. It's going to take you maybe a month or two months to really move into that and keep reading it and keep reading it and keep reading it. And when you do it, again, you confess it to the Lord. He's faithful and just to forgive you. And then you keep reading it and reading it and reading it. And you break through, break through these things. You no longer have to live this lifestyle, ever, ever. Jesus gave victory, but in your soul, you must choose to disassemble every wrong choice at a time. Wisdom is the best teacher, the Bible tells us. The demonic, the demonic can be delivered in a moment. But you must walk out the good habit that's opposite of the sin. I grew up and was going to church camps sometimes, and I think that's kind of why I kind of backed away for a little bit. But, you know, they, they jump on, on people. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And you know, I'm just going Dear Lord, what are they doing? Meaning well, but not understanding, you don't have to jump all over somebody. Just in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. 
Mark 5. Watch this. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. When he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Can we agree a little bit this guy's in bondage? <laughs> Luke tells us he was naked and lived in a cemetery. Now, if you walked by a cemetery, you saw some guy running around like that, you would think, yeah, that's demonic. Verse 6, Mark 5, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. I read this because I want you to see this point. Satan could not stop him from worshiping Jesus. Your bondage cannot stop you from anything you do in righteousness. It doesn't have a hold of you. You're not, you're not controlled by some evil being. You're controlled by a bent towards something. And what you need to understand, whatever bondage you are in today, Jesus has set you free if you go to Jesus, the door, Jesus Christ. Today, you can be set free. Amen. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. I should teach on this on Sunday night, and then I'd keep you for five hours. No, just kidding. Church family, with all the gentleness of my heart, and especially the gentleness of the Word of God, His name is Jesus Christ, I want you to recognize that you don't have to leave here anymore with this. You know the truth, and you now have a new year revelation. Not a resolution, a revelation of what has already been taken care of. You don't have to live in bondage. You can live in freedom. Freedom is for you to walk in the power of God and his anointing. I want to pray for you. And here's my prayer. I'm going to tell you before I pray it. My prayer is you're delivered instantly. Now your prayer should be when you leave every day, God, show me greater ways of living the life you planned for me, not living the life that the enemy has stolen in the past generations and even in your own choices of today. We've all made bad choices. We've all done things that we shouldn't have done. But God will forgive all things. Father, thank you for the word, for the truth, for the revelation. Lord, I thank you for my church family, those that are in this building and those that are outside of this building. In Jesus' name, be free of iniquity. Be free of every bondage 
that you've been set in. Deception, you no longer have a place in our life because we know the truth and now that truth has set us free. Thank you, Lord, as we leave this place that we can now look at our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and understand generations after that, they can live in this freedom because we have made that choice. We have made that choice. No longer in our family that that will manifest. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you tonight.